0: Welcome to the Growth Enablement Madness podcast, and I'm Jim Ward, your host, CEO of BrainCell, the growth enablement company. I'm absolutely mad about helping businesses grow and scale. And in this podcast, my team and I get a chance to talk shop with industry thought leaders about a variety of growth enablement strategies, stories, and technology trends. I'm happy that you're here, so let's get the growth conversation started. Well, welcome, everybody. I'm Jim Ward, CEO of Brain Cell. We have a fantastic guest today, somebody who we've been striving to get on the show for some time. Her name is Latney Conant from Sixth Sense. Welcome, Latney. Well,
1: thank you. Thanks for having me, Jim. I'm excited to chat with you today.
0: Well, we're very excited to have you on our podcast. And I also want to make sure that we tip our caps to Sarah Reed, who's our vice president of marketing. And uh, also Brian Anderson, who's our content manager. Woohoo! 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 And as
2: marketing people, we are super excited about this conversation as well, Latney. <laughs> so thank you for being here.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I've looked at the website so many times, and I've talked to folks in your company. I always feel like there's more for me to learn for some reason. It feels like I never get enough of the information. So um, hopefully that you'll be able to expand on the company. But I really wanted to first start by congratulating you on your new book. And I understand it's been out for a whole year.
1: It's been out for a year. I can't believe it. It goes by fast. It goes by fast. But it's been out for a year. It is still kicking. I mean, we're just getting more more steam on it. We actually recently created a certification program. So it's been really fun to see people read the book, get all these study materials and the study guide, and then pass and post on their LinkedIn that they're certified. It's like the best thing ever. It feels really, really good.
0: Yeah. So tell me, you know, give us everything about it. The title, why did you write it? What's the goal? What's the feedback?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So here's the book. It's called No Forms, No Spam, No Cold Calls, Next Generation Account-Based Sales and Marketing. and. So it's kind of interesting. I I was an accounting major in oh, college. Okay. I never wanted to have to write a paper.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was in a business school with a primary of accounting too. So I understand.
1: So I, I have no idea how I was able to get this thing done. But the backstory is didn't set out to write a book, set out to run an experiment, actually. And so with my team at Sixth Sense, we decided that there was a better way. And, and a lot of us came from a company called Appirio, which was all about customer experience consulting and, and helping people adopt better digital and customer experiences. And so we got to six cents. and I said, God, marketing's kind of up. <laughs> and even account-based is like, they're still counting leads or we're still counting leads. And like, it's really kind of a poor experience. And maybe... Let's run an experiment and let's put the customer and the prospect who is a future customer in the center of everything. And let's just refuse, let's have a rule that we refuse to do the stuff that we know customers and prospects hate, like forms, spam, and cold calls. What does that look like? And what technology do we need? What measurement capabilities do we need? Now, what process do we need? We're just going to totally break everything and see how it goes. And I just knew. I knew that the technology was available. I knew that we could, we could prove this out. And we did. We just weren't actually cloud 100, which is pretty exciting, six cents. We've had four years of every single quarter beat and raise. So we're very, very predictable driving revenue growth. We're just named a, a, a double unicorn, which was kind of fun, but but what's more interesting about that is that the foundation of how we grow and grow so efficiently is using our own product in conjunction with this no forms, no spam, no cold calls approach. And so we're, I guess, to some degree, the victim of our own own success. And so we, this project that's the premise of the book was called Project Bold Moves. And we laid it down and we started doing it and, and I started writing about it and presenting like giving presentations on how it was going. And, and every time I would go to write a blog, I would write like six pages and I would have like a template because I like templates and frameworks and I would have all these images and my team would be like, sister, we just need a blog. (laughs) 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 And I'd be like, I can't write a blog. There's too much. And so, and I at the same time started advising companies and I found that I would write these super long emails and I would be scrubbing like the templates that we were using and sending them over. And I'm like, I just need to like grind it out and sit down, write this all down. It would be so beneficial for people. And so that's kind of how it happened.
0: It's really it's unique because it's like in the industry as a whole, there's a lot of talking around this change that needs to happen around like customers don't like forms. They don't like getting spammed, but people keep doing it anyway. And it's like actually seeing people change instead of just going with the norm instead of everything else. Maybe I'm curious. Peel back the onion for me a little bit. Um, No forms, no spam. What does that mean? What does it mean to the audience? And what is, by the way, what is cloud 100? I don't even know what that is.
1: Oh, it's like a list of Forbes puts it together and and basically names kind of the most successful cloud companies.
0: There you go. I know what unicorns are. That's for yeah. sure. Unicorn. <laughs> yeah, but peel back the onion for me a little bit. So what does that all mean? How do, What's the new approach look like to you? Yeah.
1: First of all, let's take a step back. So, so think about when you go to buy something. And particularly at work, be at home or at work. But I know for me, especially at work, I'm not going to go to our CFO and say that we're going to buy something unless I've done a lot of research. I'm just not, right? So I'm, I'm going to want to do a lot of research. I'm going to want to understand our problem. I'm going to want to just be buttoned up on what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And like the first thing we do in B2B marketing is we say, nope, don't want you to learn from us go to someone else's website and learn by cuz we put, we gate like this valuable educational content and i think people hate to be sold and marketed to but love to be educated. I don't know why you wouldn't want to just let that be, right? Let let people learn from you. So that's the first thing.
0: So ungate first un-gate. of all. Yep.
1: And then the second thing is and these two somewhat go hand in hand, the whole reason for the gate is to get an email because when we've got an email, then we can start to spam people. And we send 3.3 billion emails a day. And there's only 7.7 billion people on the planet. And, you know, heaven forbid you're on pottery barns list, then you're like, you're going to have to declare email bankruptcy at least twice. So I just think like, no one's like reading these emails. Like you're just really putting them on a trip to unsubscribe Island. And we're not, We're not really being relevant, like like email automation is sort of a glorified mail merge in a lot of ways. And so that's kind of the second thing, which I don't think adds a lot of value and I don't think people uh, appreciate. And then the third thing is we've tried to be more scientific in marketing, which is great. You know, I think we've taken some steps, but we take this email address and we deem it a lead, which is a contact and maybe they do some other things and we score them and we say this is a hot lead and then we tell sales to follow up with all these hot leads and a lot of times it's not a hot lead it's just it's an intern or it's it's just someone who wanted the content or it's too late they're already like in a cycle with all these other people and the reality is for sales and I come from sales if you look back at 50 deals that you lost I bet one of the major reasons that you lost those deals was they were what we call single threaded. They were just focused around one quote unquote lead or one quote unquote contact. And so this whole process of getting a quote a lead or a contact, declaring ourselves successful and saying it's an MQL kind of screws sales because, the lead may or may not be qualified and all the other members of the buying team that we should be multi-threading and engaging that would actually really help sales, we leave behind. And so then they're left cold calling, which, you know, I hate getting cold calls too, you know? So it's just kind of like set up, not, not set up for the way modern buyers buy, in my opinion.
0: So it all makes sense to me what you're saying, right? And we're a growth enablement company. So our focus is on helping companies grow and scale, which it means to me improving EBITDA or net profit. Tell me a little bit about how you all approach growth enablement. And it sounds like, I guess, what is the next step when you're peeling back this onion? You don't have any forms. You've ungated the material. There's no cold calls. You're multi-threading. So it sounds like you're marketing to more than just the focused Person who had your contact, you're maybe going after a bottoms up approach. What I mean by that is a bottoms up approach, talking to all folks who might have an influence uh, in that organization. Can you just expand on that a little bit? What is the if you're not making a cold call, what's the progression to getting them engaged?
1: Okay, so first of all, it starts by understanding your market and your ideal customer profile. So you have to understand your TAM, which is your all the companies you could possibly sell to. And then within that, who are the ideal customers? And then even more importantly, which of those ideal customers are actually in market for what you do? And this might sound like Star Wars, but it's actually possible to do. So there is enough data out there, and this is what Sixth Sense does, is we're able to bring all this data together Around a digital footprint and, and form a digital footprint for a company and a buying team, and so we can tell you all the different members on the buying team look at their digital footprint and say based on their behavior if they're ready or not. And and it's just math. It's not me saying I give them five points for being on my pricing page or this or that. It's just it, it's predictive analytics that's back tested and statistically proven. All of a sudden I say to you, I say, I'm going to tell you the best accounts for you to sell to. I'm going to tell you exactly where they are in their journey. So if it's ideal to market to them, if it's ideal to to start, you know, to actually reach out and engage them, I'm going to tell you the things they care about. So I'm going to tell you their top keywords.
0: So this starts with data.
1: All starts with data. All
0: starts with data. And you all in Sixth Sense is gathering this data in digital footprints. Yes. Via IP addresses, individual IP addresses, I'm guessing, something like that?
1: Exactly. So we're gathering okay. all this data. And then you can start to design a much better buyer-led journey. Not the journey that we deem you in and not the journey we want to put you through. But based on your patterns, we can start to design an ideal journey that's very, very relevant. So what like a typical day in the life for us is we have three go-to-market segments. So first of all, our TAM is huge. We can sell to 500,000 companies. like anybody in B2B we sell to. That doesn't mean they're ready or ideal there. And so we've created three kind of ideal go-to-market segments. And Sixth Sense is always on finding accounts that meet those criteria for us. And when an account starts to show that they have a problem, because it's not product market fit, it's problem market fit. So even if you have a small TAM, you still have to have problem market fit, right? So the first step is for marketing to warm that account up. So we start running all kinds of like a digital advertising plays both display advertising as well as social advertising on things like Facebook and LinkedIn. And we make sure the ads are really relevant because we actually know their keyword. So we know the top keywords. And so we're not just advertising to them about anything. If we know they're interested in predictive analytics, they're gonna get a predictive analytics ad. We know, they're interested in CDPs or whatever, or sales performance, like whatever it is, they're gonna, that's gonna rotate in. And so that's my first step is I just want you to know my brand. And I want you to associate me as a potential solve for whatever problem you have. So then we want to get you to our website. When you get to our website, we want to greet you. And we want you to be able to learn a ton from us. And so you're going to come to our website and it's you and and hopefully it's all, also Brian and Sarah and everyone on your team that are coming to our website. And you know what, we're going to, our chat is going to come up and depending on the type of account you are, depending on your keyword, depending on where you are in your buying stage, chat's going to be different. Content's going to be different.
0: So the technology Six Sense, by the way, it's sixcents.com, the number six, N S E dot com for those out there listening, go to their website, take a look at it. So does the technology cover the bots? Does the technology cover
1: so we're the foundation. So we cover all the ads. We trigger all the ads for you. We have data orchestration. So you can also buy contact data, which is one thing that I do, which then will trigger relevant nurture. It's not that I don't email, right? Or I don't call, right? But one of the things that we believe in is we believe in powering your entire stack from marketing to sales. And there's a whole category of companies in conversational marketing. They're very, very good at what they do. And so like, if you think about a drift or a qualified, we actually embed Sixth Sense in drift and qualified. So they license some of our capabilities And that company identification capability, even if you're not like on the Sixth Sense platform, you get some of Sixth Sense's capabilities because we can basically do that matching of a signal to an account better than anybody else in the market. And so, but, but anyway, but that also makes it easy that, that all of a sudden starts to have a connected ecosystem. And so you can start to snap on a personalization engine. You can start to snap on chat. You can, I just was on a podcast with Path Factory. You can snap on content hubs, you know, whatever your digital ecosystem is, and you want a single source of truth and a way to connect all of that together. That's really critical if you want to orchestrate these experiences.
0: So you would be the single source of truth then that powers these other apps, these tech stack apps. So when you come into a a Drift, for example, I don't know if you're using Drift, I'm on your website. But if you were, it would know who the IP address is and welcome you with the appropriate message. Yeah,
1: I know. And it it basically goes back to a dynamic segment in Sixth Sense. It's kind of like asking Alexa. And it goes back and, and Sixth Sense says, this is brain cell, this is Jim, he's the CEO. This is what he's consumed before. These are his intent keywords. Let's adjust based on that.
0: Right. So you're going to make it like, I'm going to get cookie dough ice cream when I come in. Cause that's when I, I probably was. Anyways, that's a joke. Um, you know, I, I was just thinking back, and I, I'm older than all of you, maybe not combined, but one-to-one marketing. Did you ever read the book One-to-One Marketing with, by Peppers and Rogers years ago?
1: I didn't, but I guess I should.
0: It was a very predictive book, and I often reflect back because this is what they predicted that would happen with the web and other technologies that would come into play, the ability to speak one-to-one. So as I come into your website, it's tailored, the message is tailored based on the information you've gained about, I guess, my persona.
1: Yeah. And the weird or the challenging thing about B2B is is it's one-to-one, but also you have to take into account that you work with Brian and you work with Sarah, and they also are going to have opinions. And so that's why we want to be able to orchestrate both experiences and, and continue not just market to you, but, but market to Brian and Sarah. And then when it comes to sales, we want to make sure that we pass the buying group, not, not a lead, but we say, you know what, this account brain cell is ready. And Brian likes mint chocolate chip. Jim likes cookie dough. Sarah's a sorbet gal. Here's the dossier on them. The record's enriched. The contact data is enriched. Here's all the content they've consumed individually and as a team. Here's the recommended talking points. You start to serve up a dossier so it also doesn't feel disconnected between sales, maybe your outbound BDR, SDR team, and marketing. Like we're all like literally looking at the same sheet of music and we know wow. oh, it's cello time and it's, yeah. you know, it's now <laughs> it's the piano solo because it all like kind of orchestrates that way
0: right got it and um i'm kind of going backwards a little bit the dark funnel which i really learned about the dark funnel through sixth sense did you guys coin the phrase dark funnel by the way
1: so kyle christensen was the cmo before me And he's now at Zora and he is a genius marketer. He is probably the best that's ever been. And he coined the phrase so smart, so good,
0: so good, right?
1: So I just
0: that's right. Let's not make the assumption that everybody knows what the dark funnel is. Could you just briefly describe what it is to uh, those out there?
1: Yeah. So when you start to think about the legacy technology that we have and the data that we have, it's very limited. There is all this other. Data and activity that's happening, but we're in the dark. You know, we only see what's in our CRM or our map. And I mean, you can quote Forrester, you can quote Gartner, you know, whoever else, and they'll tell you so much of the buying cycle is is done before they talk to a salesperson or to, before they engage with marketing. And so we call all of that the dark funnel. And what we want to do, and what we do, is we start to light up the dark funnel so that you can see who's on your website before they fill out a form. You can see who's researching critical things related to your category or company before they even come to your website. Like this is like insights like never before that before you were in the dark.
0: Right. I have a question. So yeah, go ahead, (laughs) Sarah.
1: I actually have two questions. Well you said one. (laughs) one question,
0: Sarah. I'm gonna
2: Um, can I please ask the two though? The first question related to what you just said, when you say who's come to your website, who's doing the research, is it an individual or is the, who the company?
1: That's a good clarification point. It's the company and the persona. It's not an individual that's anti-privacy. Okay.
2: And then thank you for that. And then this follows onto it. So Over a year and a half ago now, we all kind of went home to work, right? The remote workforce expanded. And how did that impact the data or the information that Sixth Sense is gathering or any tool like this, really?
1: Well, it's not any tool like this. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) So, I mean, we call this capability our moat our IP moat, and we have multiple patents around it. And it was actually originally built for not the pandemic, obviously, but we anticipated remote office locations and Starbucks and travelers and things like that. So when we initially built the graph, the master company database and the graph, we sort of anticipated that I could work for Six Cents be at a coffee shop in Glenview and we needed to be able to make that match so what we saw initially is everyone leaves and we just we did see a dip in the graph but then the graph adjusted and bounced back because of the way it was designed Mm -hmm. so essentially initial dip now it's right back to performing it's actually performing better than it was pre-pandemic because of some other changes that we did but we're we're kind of always working on it. It's like one of those things that's like, just because you won the Olympics a couple of years ago, you have to continue. If you want to go back and compete, you got to keep training and keep changing.
0: What was it you asked, Sarah? <laughs>
1: so do you want to tell us what the secret sauce is?
0: <laughs> no. Because it does appear Sixth Sense does have a unique place in the market that, that I don't know of competitors that do exactly what you do. Are there any?
1: So they... Well, it's, what's interesting is-
0: It's like there's ones that do pieces of it, but that's not the cohesiveness of your offering.
1: And this is kind of a debate I've had with myself over and over again, because right now, if you look at Sixth Sense and what category we are in, we're in the account-based marketing category. And it's a hot category. People want account-based marketing technology. And so it's kind of good to be, you know, one of the rules of marketing is people buy in categories and you want to have a category and blah, 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 blah. But what I think we struggle with and talk about a lot is, yes, but like we address the entire go-to-market motion, right? It's not just an account-based motion for like a few accounts. In some ways, you could say that maybe we're a CDP, a customer data platform, because we do have a a CDP is sort of embedded, like that's part of the base of, of what we do and allows us to do a lot of the things that we do. You could say like, so there's all these different parts that we're bringing together, but I think it's a good place to be because I think consolidation is happening. And I think that the, what we feel we want to always be differentiated in is the quality of the data, that account identification, our patented models and predictions and the ability to orchestrate. And we want to see companies like Drift, like Path Factory, like Uber, Uber Flip, all the things that we connect to, we want to see those guys make tons of money. We're hoping that as people think about a more modern tech stack, they think about this foundational piece, which is where we sit, but then we connect on some of these other execution channels.
0: What other technologies are you connecting to? It sounds like you're adding to their technologies, making them more successful, which is part of the formula. Are you, for example, Conversica is one of our partners. Are you? I
1: love Conversica.
0: You do? And yes. what are you, are you working with them?
1: Yep. So we have an integration to Conversica. That's a great use case. Also the sales engagement platforms. So one of the things that we've done recently, if you think about a sales loft or an outreach, an outbound team. They work in outreach or sales law. That is where they are every single day. And so we've actually, we don't just have an integration, we've embedded our sales intelligence solution right in the sales engagement platform. like if you're working in sales loft, you don't even know it's six cents, and that's fine. But you're getting these are the hottest accounts in market. This is the contact details, this is the these are the keywords, this is the recommended next action. And you can run all your cadences right in there
0: so are you essentially filling their i want to call their list funnel with the appropriate companies to be reaching out to because i have seen that and we've worked with uh, both and we've created integrations as well in outreach and sales loft and drift and conversica and in the uh, sales enablement platforms one of the early i would say uh, obstacles was it's okay to have a cadence and that certainly helped create um force multiplier for BDRs or SDRs, sales development reps and uh, business development reps, but yeah. they weren't often targeting the right folks. Right. And <laughs> so-, so
1: yeah, that's so that's the point exactly is we want to bring the brains to the brawn and then be able to actually each one of those platforms has AI that's incredible. So how do we sort of like all force multiply? And then, you know, I think what you're gonna see is this new tech stack emerge. That is sort of the requirement. And I talk about that in the book. I talk about there's sort of a new, new requirement. And I am actually not very tech savvy. I know I'm I'm on here riffing on saying things like CDP, which is hilarious to me personally. But what the whole job of Sixth Sense is to do and, and our partners is to make it easy and feel easy and seamless. Like it's not this monumental thing
0: right again i'm fascinated by the technology and i do believe it is all about the tech stacks go forward i mean it's one thing to have the commodities or the core solutions like crm or marketing automation but i think it is all about the tech stacks go forward that's going to drive the real success for companies in that growth enablement concept that i i speak to
1: yeah we talk about i mean our tagline is you know know everything do anything and so we say, we want to put the the power of data, the power of insights, the power of AI behind every member of the revenue team. Like, we don't think you should have to guess anymore. Um, so
0: for those who are listening, could you, and for them to self-identify themselves as a customer you'd look for, who would be your ICPs? Is it size of company? Is it... So that they can raise their hands and come see you.
1: Yeah. Well, we welcome you know, if you're a B2B sales or or marketer and go to market function. So yeah, you have to be B2B. That's number one. And that's probably the biggest criteria. And you have to have a B2B like sales motion. And you know, we have three different segments. We have a commercial segment, which is less than 300 employees. We have a mid-market slash enterprise, which is three hundred to two thousand, and then we have two thousand plus, which is strategic.
0: I see. So if we're a company of fifty two, to be exact, and we are, it would
1: be a commercial account for
0: us. So oh, so we would fit into your ICP. We would be an account you'd be uh, interested in.
1: Yeah, we've actually, and it was it was interesting. We built. um, So we have a big outbound motion, and you know, one of the things about having an outbound motion is you want to have a progression path. For BDRs and SDRs. And this was probably like two and a half years ago. And so we had this guy, Connor Mowgli, who was like crushing it as a BDR and like wanted to be in sales. And we were like, okay, but you know, we don't really have that. What do we do? And so we're like, okay, well, let's experiment with this like commercial segment and like see what happens with that. Well, it has become our fastest growing, like lights out, hands down like best segment. And I mean that was two and a half years ago. So now it's obviously a lot more folks than just Connor. And I think Connor, you know, Connor's now an enterprise AE, but it's been good obviously on the the people front to be able to give a a career progression, but we've also just seen a huge need. And I think what's interesting about that segment, I love working with that segment because in a lot of ways they're saying, I'm just going to start with this. I'm not going to retroactive or this is going to be my first investment and so it's kind of interesting to see like that that approach of starting with like an account based six cents as the first tech buy versus people that already have marketing automation and all this other things and trying to like retrofit there are fun accounts to work with.
0: It sounds awesome. So I'm, I'm sure you and I will be talking about this further off, off podcast. And let me, uh, we're moving towards our techtainment section, uh, which you don't know the questions. We do give you a hint on some of the questions ahead of time on our podcast. But is there anything for those who do know Sixth Sense in the marketplace? Is there anything that's new that you want those who know you to know about you? <sighs>
1: I'm so excited. So drum roll. So we do a product release every two months.
0: We need sound effects, by the way, guys. Drum rolls. Like horn and applause. Uh All right. Uh, That's enough.
1: And we have a huge release (laughs) that's coming out next week. And it's AI-driven orchestration. So essentially, as a sales or marketer, I'm going to put my goal in. And the first goal that we're doing is drive web traffic. So I walk to Sixth Sense and I say, I want to drive web traffic. I pick my product category, I pick my segment of accounts, and then Sixth Sense decides which accounts, which contacts, which medium, and the AI actually drives the journey. So um, ooh,
0: that is very cool. I'm excited about that with you. Uh, ooh, ooh, that is so cool.
1: And so that. First goal The next goal will be so it's going to go drive web engagement, create pipeline, accelerate pipeline, and then we're it'll be around like upsell and churn. And so, what you start to see, what I hope you're starting to see, is these goals daisy chaining together. So, once you meet the criteria for one goal, you would then move into the next goal. And we're doing this thing called human in the loop, so the marketer will be able to approve or or deny kind of the suggestions but the AI is going to drive the accounts, the lists, the tactic, all that.
0: So there will really be dashboards for approvals for the humans to make rational decisions. Yeah, okay. Maybe my last question, of course I could go on forever with this because I've been, fe- I again, I said for the top of the show that uh, I call it a show. Is it a show? I yeah, guess it's a show. show. We had um, a drum roll. We had a drum roll. We we've got to get sound effects. I want sound effects next. Okay, Sarah, all that shit. I want it all. I want it all. Oh,
1: really?
2: You get a soundboard. I, sound
0: I want it all. I got the microphone yeah, yeah, yeah. finally. Jesus, that took like a year. It? it sounds like it's quickly turning into the Howard Stern I don't Brian, know if I like whatever. it or don't like it. God. Uh, one of the questions that makes me think about you a lot is the return on investment. And I don't know the, the cost of the investment. I don't know if that's something you want to reveal today, but is there a return? How quick is the return on investment? Anything you want to reveal about the cost, or is it dependent upon each company?
1: No, it's not dependent. So a couple things, we actually just put out a report because we have a framework called our business impact framework. And so every quarter we survey and go out and look look at all of our customers and we look at the impact that we're having and time and time again, again, we release it every quarter, but we see like this quarter, it's two times better deal sizes, 10% faster time to close, and I think 20% better conversions. So, I mean, this is, if you're an operator or a CEO or on a board, like this is the stuff that really like matters.
0: Oh yeah, those are the levers. Those, those are, are the levers. levers
1: that create revenue.
0: Yep. And we
1: also, right in the app, we'll show you like all the pipeline that Six Sense predicted and and all of these things. But I love that business impact framework. So so we're maniacal about that and, and showing it and working with you on it. But the other thing that we do I think is pretty interesting is our customer success team is KPI based on green use cases and the definition of a green use case. is So we go across every member of the go-to-market team that's going to use Sixth sense We have documented use cases. We work with the customer and say, what are your key use cases? And then for a use case to be green, it has to be live. Duh. It has to be adopted. Okay. But there also has to be like agreed upon value. And so that's how our CSMs really partner with our customers to make sure that we're quickly getting time to value. So, and re-use yeah. It.
0: Let's review that because that's very important to me. Because one of the things we say here at BrainCell, we don't sell software, we sell outcomes. And so that's a very outcome-based mentality. And so it's got to be a live customer it's got to be what was the second one adopted it's got to be adopted internally and then the third is this the agreed outcome which as uh, you've both agreed or the parties have agreed on what for example what would be the outcome you're looking for the return on investment by x date or no or so what? like
1: we've taken each use case so let's say the use case is display advertising it would be okay the KPIs and the value would be we want to see that we're getting 10% more of your ideal customers to your website, right? So, so the value driver matches the use case and we, that's part of the use case documentation. So if it's like an outbound motion, it might be we've increased the per pipeline per PR.
0: So you've created a benchmark essentially and you've created a scorecard that's agreed upon. I love it. That's real value. That's super value because it's also makes you very sticky with the clients and you know, if you're, you need to pivot.
1: Yeah. And I think it gives us, it gives us a good mutual action plan too, for them to know what to do when. One of the challenges with Sixth Sense is there's a lot you can do with it. And so we have to be able to agree upon what makes sense for you and being able to chart the course.
0: Yep. Yep. Perfect. So you got a few tips for those out there, the business leaders out there who are looking to fuel growth and scale, just general tips from you?
1: You know, I think that like the faster we can unpack tracking and worrying about marketing qualified leads, the better. I think that sets the whole process up for failure. And it is a potential indicator, a potential thing. But like, again, I think it creates a lot of byproducts when a board or a CEO or exec team just looks at marketing as like, and their only KPI is MQLs.
0: Got it. Good. Excellent. I, again, I, Latney, I could go on and on. I have so many questions. I'm sure we'll talk just a little bit after the show here. Again, I'm calling it a show. Uh, let's go to our tech team. Brian, you have a question for Latney? Tech tame. Woo. Yes. 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 So, Latney, what is your idea of fun? Like on a, if you had nothing to do on like a weekend or like a weeknight after work, like what, what's your idea of fun?
1: Okay, so my husband and my kids and I and our best friends are really into wake surfing. And so what this is, is it's actually kind of a newer technology. And the boat takes in a bunch of water and the ballast and like creates a, a surf wave. And then you're actually like back behind the boat just hanging out, surfing. And it is so fun. It's outside. It's summer in Chicago, which there's no better season. We're all together as a family. The music's going. And it's just I don't know. It's kind of
0: awesome. Yeah, and that's all wakeboarding with the boat and no strings attached, literally no lines. So no you're sure, yeah. What is like Mastercraft one of the boats that does that? I don't know if they've
1: Malibu actually like came out with the original technology and access okay. to the patents on it. But Mastercraft now has one. And then there's a company called Nautique, which is like my old CEO has a Nautique. So sometimes he takes us out on his Nautique and it's like a yeah. big deal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All the ski boats, because I was a water skier, but I'm here on the East Coast and water skiing is uh, was an ocean activity for us. Yeah. So uh, ocean, yeah, oceans, is uh, it's a much harder water ski than it is on the lakes.
1: Well, and you're going 20 some miles an hour water skiing. That is not like, the last time I water skied, I didn't even fall, but I just, you know, you're just out there holding on. And I'm like, I feel like I have <laughs> a mild concussion. <laughs> <I'm
0: cold." laughs> a mild concussion is coming on. You know? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Whereas the surfing, you're going like half that, so it's just it's just more, it's a little more chill.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Sarah, you're up.
2: One question: Is it hard to pick up to learn the wakeboarding? So,
0: <laughs> yeah, surfing is hard. Yeah. It moment, takes. So.
1: so you have to be willing to try. I say it's, you have to take twelve pulls. If you're not willing to get out there twelve times and try, you're probably not going to learn. And, and so, and it's a little misleading because my kids are amazing. So they'll get out there and they're like doing all these tricks and then people expect it to be easy. (laughs) Yeah. It's not easy, but it is like, we can pretty much get anyone up who's willing to try.
2: Great. Okay. My question is, would you rather spend the rest of your life with a sailboat as your home or an RV
1: as your house? Probably an RV.
0: Oh, I'm surprised.
1: I know, I, I know. The boat I boat that
2: conversation.
1: <laughs> I know. I love boats, but I don't know. I also am a runner. So I don't know.
0: You need your land?
1: Yeah. I need to be able to just zone out and go for a run, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd be on the sailboat, I think. Far, far away from people. Same. <laughs> uh, no, I love people. No, I'm just joking about that. I, I love heard. people. I'm in that business of people. My question for you is. What's your guilty pleasure? Oh, so many. Oh, well, pick one.
1: Well, I I was talking to you guys earlier about my design guilty pleasure. So I'm always like changing rooms up and doing stuff. So you can see my all different wallpaper samples and paint samples and It's just the whole house is a moving target. You just never know what I'm going to do. (laughs)
0: Well, that's awesome. Well, this has been uh, wonderful to have this conversation with you, Latney. And I want folks to know how to get a hold of you and how to get a hold of Sixth Sense. So could you tell us?
1: Sure. So I'm on LinkedIn. Feel free to hit me up. Always glad to network and get to know folks. And then, you know, www.sixthsense.com. Can
0: you accept my friendship on LinkedIn, man? I mean, I've been waiting for a long time. Sure all right so linkedin and of course you can find you at six cents.com that's with a six sense yes yes. and right. what i like about it is the naming convention and i'm sure you've all put it together out there it's the ability to sort of see into the future six sense. it's that we all have five senses it's that six sense. i love the naming convention and that's really what they're about i think is uncovering the dark funnel and all those things and helping you uh, it's perfect this technology is the perfect growth enablement solution, in my opinion. Thank you for listening to this episode of Growth Enablement Madness podcast. I also want to thank... Vinio Podcast for this episode's production and distribution. Finally, thank you to Sam Ward for our musical introduction and outro. Be sure to check out all of our episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. New episodes are available monthly and cover all important topics for growing and scaling your business. Until next time, this is Jim Ward signing off. Let's grow.